the project. Kuwait. Learn. Hey guys, how's it going? So in this episode, we had Mohammed Ajalabi. So he's a physiotherapist out of Bahrain. And he came to come and see us on one of his little short visits over to Kuwait, coming to see a few of his clients. And he talked to us a little bit about his perspective on physiotherapy and for elite athletes. For me personally, it really struck close to home because he was talking about people that sit down all day and how the communication between your brain and your muscles starts to deteriorate after a while and how you can kind of reignite that. So I think that was a great tip that he gave during the show and the whole aspect on breathing, man. Like that was... Yeah, he gave us some really, really cool exercises actually to help increase your breathing and actually from your breathing then increasing the performance in the rest of your body. Yeah. Yes. And he also actually has a little bit of a go at dry needling. Yes, he does. Something so. I love. It's my Panadol. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, have a listen to this one and enjoy. And if you have any questions, DM us and let us know. Yeah, for sure, guys. All this and more in today's episode. I'm pronouncing right, we're on anyways. I'm going to pronounce his name I don't want to pronounce his name wrong either. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it's... Let's see if I get this. Mo Al Jalabi? Muhammad Al Jalabi. Nah, all right. <laughs> I, I, I was going to get that right, to be fair. I got, I got oh, right, thank so. you. Well, I'm going by what you guys put on the show notes. Like, I was like, yeah, I, I don't go by the Instagram. Like, I saw the whole profile and everything yeah. and did my research, but it was like, can't find the guy's real name. <laughs> <laughs> it's my fault, to be fair, because I, I shortened everyone Muhammad down to Mo. Just because it's, like, it's just my, it's my bad. It's yeah. my bad. It's me being rude. So I, I, apologize. No I apologize. That, trust me. I apologize. So, Mo. <laughs> no, Mohammed. How is he? Like, uh, you're a physiotherapist or phys- a physical therapist? It's a physiotherapist. Physiotherapist, physiotherapist over in Bahrain. So, a few of our listeners already know you. But for those who don't, do you want to just introduce yourself yeah, and how you course. kind of got to where you are at the moment? Well, my name is Mohammed Al Jalabi. I'm a physical therapist from Bahrain. <clears throat> My career started like 10 years ago when I graduated from the university. What got me into physical therapy is basically, I was young, my mom was having back pain, went her to the doctor. It literally took her like two minutes to get diagnosed and then voila, she's out of the clinic going where to the physical therapy. I've seen the people and how the physical therapist was like really into treating her and the communication, the contact and the things how the relationship has built in between the therapist and my mom and the time she has spent in there till she got better. And I've seen that like, wow, this is really great message to deliver to people. Treating uh, the patients, getting them better, no pain. And as well as there's a, a human touch in the, in the picture. This is what really has given me the insight of what I want to be in the future. Graduated from the university and looked at the market and says, wow, there are so many athletes in there. I wanted to play sports uh, when I was young, but because I was like looking at the book literally for, for most of the yeah. days. <laughs> so I didn't get into a real sport back then. But I said, well, I want to do something I want to enjoy and I wanted to always to do. So taking care of people, any sports. And that's what got me today. Yeah. Being majorly in, in treating athletes, all kind of athletes. So were you, have you always been based in Bahrain or have you been based anywhere else to start with? Or? Well, no, I've studied in Jordan, went back and then based in Bahrain. Well, I started working in the, in the major uh, hospital in Bahrain back in 2010. Then started with, the, with my first job in a football club called Najma back then. It was back in 2009. Yeah. So uh, five years later on, 
with working in the morning in the in the major hospital in, back in Bahrain, the Salmani Medical Complex, and with the sports clubs, I came to realize I, I need to step on with the game. So I joined the private sector in the afternoon as a joint uh, physical therapist with one of the hospitals uh, back then. And after three years, I said to myself, it's now to have my own place. I wanted to provide and put my own philosophy into the game, into the picture. Okay. I want to treat patients by my own rules, by my own theories, by my own touch. Yeah. And with, with, no, with no interruptions from, you know, hospitals, management, stuff like that. Sometimes they put you in certain angles that you cannot break. So I said, well, let's just start something. I need my own place. Then comes the, the time that comes for movement came to the picture. I sat and said, well, the place, I need to call it something, something that I really like. What, what is missing in the market? I need a catchy name. Re- resembles what I like to do. is to let people move well and move in the right way. And then comes that, what brings the name into it, movement. And then I started my own clinic two years ago, and this is my third, going to the third year. We just celebrated our third, uh, coming third year of our clinic. Congratulations. Thank you. That's amazing. <laughs> I hope it so keeps going amazing. for a really long time. Yeah. Well, you're doing a lot of good work. I mean, I've seen you. I've seen, I mean, mashallah, I've seen you here in Kuwait a lot. Can I go in Arabic a little bit? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he comes to Kuwait a lot and he works with a lot of the pros here. From CrossFit boxes to the MMA fighters. So, I mean, when it comes down to movement and in Halakeh, What's funny about, you know, seeing me in CrossFit competitions in Kuwait, I work on the ground, on the benches, everywhere. Just give me the athlete and right on. I start working on him. So I I don't need fancy fancy stuff to work. So you'll see me on the ground, you'll see me on the benches, you'll see me everywhere. That is awesome. It's good to see someone someone like that. I really like the action, man. When when you see the athlete and you want to take him back to the, to, you know, to, to the next heat as soon as possible. And coming after that, the, the previous heat, like shattered and, you know, on the ground. <laughs> I literally always see him, like literally in, in the athlete area, like going from guy to guy, just like, okay, so let's uh, okay, do this, okay, now do this, yeah, running between oh, everyone. He's always like switched so Who are some that of the bigger rush. guys that you've worked on here? Like who are some of the hardcore dudes, like, you know, some of the... The famous people, I would say. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, famous, there's, yeah. yeah. There's some names out, man. I worked with uh, Coach Yusuf Al Baksami uh, himself. Oh, CrossFit Kuwait. CrossFit Kuwait. Yeah, he's awesome. He's awesome. He's in a, such an amazing uh, a human being. Honestly, I really love this guy. Yeah. I got he puts to, out great information too. He, he really is, puts out. He's really amazing, Coach. I really got the chance to work on him and his athletes as well. Salim Al Fadala, Mohammed Sagar, Budarwish, the nutritionist. Oh yes, yeah, 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 yep, yep, yeah. Many of his athletes, as all of them probably. Oh, that's cool. That's awesome. It's an amazing to get into a new world. Well, people from abroad, you know, not just from Bahrain. I got the chance to meet people from neighboring countries and expats, and I get to meet Liam. That lucky what, you. I <laughs> am lucky. Trust me. I so, am lucky. So here, here's, a, here's a question for you. When you cross from Kuwait to Bahrain to all the countries and everything, yeah. what are some of the most common injuries that you see and are we going to pigeonhole into CrossFit or are we, are we going to branch out? Like, I'd um, say for the Arab population, you know, I want, yeah. like, for the Kuwaitis, for the locals in each area, do you see common injuries that back are. Back pain, man. Back pain? How? Back pain. Why is that? I had a physiotherapist <laughs> say that we were just, you know, like Arabs or Kuwaitis in general, that we have a hyperflexibility that she hasn't seen compared to people in the West. And I'm wondering what another physical therapist 
Well, to be honest with you, um, it's just the lack of two things um, that I see that brings back pain. The core being inactive and improper breathing. Okay. So we sit most of the time. Yes, we do have the, the advantage of sitting on the floor, which is give us a good kind of a good mobility to the hips. Yes. So we can cross legs easily. You see people from Europe, sometimes they cannot cross legs. No, I can't cross my legs. Yeah. I was right. sitting on the ground. I can't cross my legs. For a lot of people like who like have awful mobility, like if you put them with a barbell or anything like that, and then they sit down and they're like, boom, straight down. Like no problem, they like sit cross legged or sit like on their yeah. on their knees, obviously yeah. like for a prayer time and everything like that. Completely fine. And actually, like you would not see that in the Western world. Like usually, if someone is Im- immobile, exactly. they are immobile. Like, really <laughs> like, they're, they're literally like steel rods put together. Like, but yeah, the here it's like obviously there's a few different movements. We're actually completely fine. Yeah, exactly. So most of the people have grown up got to get grown sitting on the ground. So that kind of give it a relative mobility. But when they come to squat and they lack the squatting, that comes to uh, probably different aspects that they lack, like core uh, core activation, ankle mobility, not the hips, and glutes activation, obviously. If, well, if you sit on it, you lose it. That's what they say. So I have, I have a question for you. Since you brought that up, um, not to cut you off. Now, because I sit at a desk all day. Yeah. All right. So let me give you let me give it to you from the perspective of a desk a desk jockey, so to okay. speak, that is physically active. You know, like I, True. I you know, I'm a, I'm in CrossFit. I do all that, you know, trainer, all that stuff, been a trainer and, you know, been a coach. Sitting down all day switches my legs off. Yeah. And what can I do to switch them back on? All right. Now we're talking about the time that you work out versus the time that you sit on the on the chair all day. Yeah. Like There's I, no I proportion sit for, yeah, I sit for nine hours, drive for three, so I'm sitting for twelve hours. Then I go to the gym at seven o'clock at night or six thirty. And you work out for two or three hours. No, I'll work out for an hour. Like oh, I'll get right. I'll get my hour workout in, but if I'm doing heavy squats, I can actually feel it. Like I'm like my legs are just not waking up. I'm just not Of course. It's like a like a short switch. Because you've been sitting on it for the past thirteen hours. So you need to prepare it before you hit it. Okay. So you need to prepare your legs before you start squatting. So we're talking about if you sit down, what literally happens is that your glutes get shut down because they're not in need. All right. You're passively sitting on a chair. So, you know, well, if you look at the people, uh, well, our ancestors, they used to always squat, especially in the Asian word, Arabic word. They used to squat waiting for the bus. They used to squat using even the toilet, the Arabic yeah. toilet. Yeah. yeah. So... Putting, being put in a squat position is really normal for a human being since birth. Now, if anybody sees a child, they sit effortlessly, you know, in a squat position. They can spend like half an hour not even feeling pain or feeling, you know, that they need the urge to move or do anything else. They sit and, and play with, with the toys in a squat position and it's really perfectly normal. We lose that kind of ability the moment we go to school. You know, school yeah. says... You got to sit down on the chair. You should not move for that subject or for that period of hour. And then what well, comes with that seconds break between one, one, one class and another class. And that is not enough for you to move. And then comes the second class and you're, you're going to get sitting back again. You lose all your mobility. You lose everything. You lose mobility sense. and you lose that, that muscle activation. And then comes the university, et cetera, et cetera. People does not work out. So many people nowadays. So... You lose that glutes activation while sitting for a long time. You need to get them active by, well, move often and move well. So I say if you're sitting down for seven hours at work or nine hours, so you got to time up yourself 
that you move every half an hour. So that's, what can, I, yeah, that's what I usually do. I'll typically go into perfect, a lunge or a squat, advice. mainly a lunge, so I could try and you know stretch out my hip flexors a little bit. Oh, yeah, because that's what for me that's what tightens up. Like that's what the driving. I think like hip flexors. Oh my god! Because exactly. your knees sometimes are a little bit above yeah. your hips as well. Yeah. So actually, like oh. you're really. Uh, really that's why it's, that's what it's from. But I'll right, tell you something. You would get a BME. Sometimes the, the, the hip flexors are tight. It's not because it's strong. Sometimes because it's weak. weak. Yeah. Yep. So you got to find out if it's weak, you got to strengthen up. Yeah. Because if you stretch a, a weak muscle, you're just going to create that nerve feedback on making it shorter. Imagine. Okay. All right. So if you stretch out, you're going to be right? I know, right? Like, listeners, pay attention to this part. This is a big one. You got to get assessed before doing anything, not just a hip flexor stretch. Because if that muscle ordered by the brain to get shorter because it's weak, well, let me put it in that scenario. We cannot move unless first we breathe well. If we don't own our breathing, we don't own our movement. Okay, this is very important. Second, we got a group of muscles that surrounds the spine. It protects it. So if the spine is protected, you can move. If the spine is in jeopardy, some muscles will be around, tight, to give the brain the sense that the spine is preserved. It's safe to move. So you got the glutes, you got the pelvic floor muscles, you got the diaphragm, which is a major breathing muscle, and you got the core. And we're not talking about sexy six-packs. We're talking about a muscle called um, the uh, transverse abdominus. Yeah, it's like your internal weight belt, right? Exactly. Yeah, there we go. I've, there done we my, go. I've done a little bit of research on that. Ooh, <laughs> I know, I know, right? I know, right? That's, that's for my certification right yeah. <laughs> that's, that's one thing Struggle. I remember is like, don't wear a weight, back, weight, weight belt because then you yeah. weaken your transverse abdominus. You got That's earn true. It. I mean, it's you're true. you're the expert. So yeah. Well, if you if you have a, a passive stabilizer, anything like a brace or a belt, your internal stabilizer shuts down immediately. Okay. Because the brain is economical. It tells you, well, I cannot spend so much energy on a muscle activation because it needs food energy, and you got some passive stabilizer from outside. So I'm going to shut down the one inside because I cannot spend that much of energy on it. Ah, it makes sense. So is it actually advantageous to the athlete to, so to, so to speak, squat? When I squat, I only put on my belt when I hit like 320. Yeah, that's exactly. When I, then I, that's when I'll put my belt on because, I, dude, I get like an extra 30 pounds out of a belt. I don't know if it's mental. No, it's not mental. So it's not. It's not mental. People thought I was crazy, man. When you hit, I <laughs> thought you were crazy. A couple of other, like, yeah, no, definitely. You, I can't name names. Get, you, I can't. I can't name you names. Definitely but. get extra poundage out of a belt. Like if you use it correctly, like there's a, exactly. there's a you have to you have to breathe correctly when using your belt. True. Which you'll probably be able to talk about. Yeah, yeah of course. Now we're <laughs> talking <course>. about. <laughs> now we're talking about heavyweight lifting. You have to have that trunk support to lift it, but you have to teach your core to get active going through that weight. So you don't be an urge to use that belt when you're using like light to moderate weights. You got to earn that core activation. So why we wear the belt with heavyweight squats? Basically, you need the spine to be stable while squatting. So even the breathing technique. Now you've been to the, to the recent uh, seminar in China. Yeah. So I'm sure they talked about a lot about how the core should be stable while squatting with heavy when you breathe yep. in, when you breathe out, going in descending and in ascending. Yeah. So you have to have that spine stable. How do we get that spine stability? When you hold your breath, there isn't the air pressure that is inside your lungs is going to push out. 
the, the whole chunk. And that, that, you know, that pressure created inside your chunk is going to stabilize your, your spine while it's clotting. So with the heavy weights, the breathing itself is kind of a, not enough to stabilize the spine. So you need to have to have that extra, extra support in trying to preserve the spine. Yeah. But if you wear your belt on early stages, you're just going to lose that core activity. So we better. So you're effectively it. switching it off, and then yes, exactly. then if you, As soon as you take your belt off, then actually, like it's it's part of your body that isn't as switched on as everything else. So yes. almost if you've got, I guess, if you've got exercises to do after that squat, then that's going to be True. compromised. That's, that's not going to be as good because actually you've got like the whole of the middle of your, potentially where you're wearing the belt is effectively not going to be activated. The is whole, that correct? The whole chunk is going to be inactive. Yeah. If you just used to wear the belt with squatting. So yeah. all those guys wearing their belt with their names on it are actually doing themselves a disservice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I had to say that. But I mean, I guess like sometimes, I mean, for a bodybuilding side, like from something I heard, like a rumor that, that people would wear their belt yeah, so that they would stay inactive. So then they would actually keep a really slim waist. So actually, like they were, actually, so they would wear their belt the whole time. I thought it was marketing, man. Like they just have their name I on the think, back of the belt. No, no, no. Like, 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 so, yeah, so, like, so they wear they wear, wear a belt the whole time, like so that actually they they kind of their abs don't get. Like, I they know don't what you're talking. Yeah, yeah, it's almost Does like a, they'll they'll try and treat it like a corset, almost, yeah, like a corset, yeah. so it uh, holds the well because obviously the illusion in bodybuilding line. is better to have a tiny like saran wrap around the waist. Yeah, man. To be honest, stopped doing that a couple years ago. Only a couple years. Only my six. Six pack speaks for itself now. <laughs> the six pack is not everything. Trust me. I, I wish I had. I've, I've tested a lot of people with six packs. They, they just fail, fail that test of checking cores. I'm so glad you're saying that, right, now. dude? I love you, man. <laughs> you're awesome, dude. You are really, awesome. I, dude. I, I, I completely agree. Like I, I've been leaner than I am now, but recently I've been doing a lot of work on my core and actually doing core work. Because before I thought, ah, a heavy squat, I'm okay. Like a heavy squat, heavy deadlift, I can hold up like like however much on my back and like it's not going anywhere. But then actually like I try and do any rotational work or anything like that. And I'm like, ah, my core is lighting up. But I thought I was strong. And so actually be missing a big, obviously a big section of that. Exactly. Now, you, I've seen a lot of athletes with neck pain, shoulder pain, back pain, all kind of joint pain because their core is not stable. Well, proximal stability works for distal mobility. Do you have to explain that? Okay. Yeah, dude. Yeah, you're gonna, that's <laughs> explain that. Like, like I'm, I'm sitting here, it's knowledge bomb after knowledge bomb, and then I'm like, blank. <laughs> so we said breathing first. Yep. Then core stable. If the core is stable, you would have a good, good joint movement all over your joints. So imagine you lack that picture, the core stability. The joints has to have that extra work somehow. The body works by all means. So if you have to lift that weight, if your core is not active, it will find a way. To it do will it. find yeah. a way to do it. Yeah. But then keep continuing that. You will create a def like a default a, movement, a pattern. Default movement yeah, pattern. Yeah, yeah, yep. And then that is going to end up with pain. Yeah. So if one one of the great therapists said the pain is a sign of change, so whenever you have a pain, you know that in your movement there is something is lacking. So you need to fix it. You need to figure out what it is. So core stability, man, is very important. So whatever you have as a joint pain, it matters, but you have to have your core stable before fixing that. Because if you're just going to fix that joint pain without making sure your core is stable, it's just like fixing a crack by painting it over. Yeah. Not fixing the real crack. We're not working on the source. So I've, I've seen a lot of therapists working on athletes 
the dry needling man. I really right. hate it. I love dry needling, man. That's, that's, that's like my Panadol. I haven't taken a Panadol in a couple of years now. And dry needling's like, I'm just like, all right, stick those needles in me, man. I want that euphoria. I want that pain to go away. And like, it's my physical therapist, yeah. the one that I see in Kuwait, she actually left and she was pretty good. And she used to dry needle and give me the corrective movement patterns to okay, go by. Now, now I had go. two torn labrums. Okay. Oh, okay. I tore this one. Three doctors said I needed surgery. Doctor Don't in the States. Yeah, that's what he said. The doctor in the States was like, look, man, I'm going to give you a cortisone shot. Here are your exercises for three months. Swing a baseball bat and tell me how it feels. If it's still really bad, then maybe you need to get surgery. But otherwise, always go the route of physical therapy. And now they always want to make money in the States. <laughs> but, you know, I really appreciate it because that was the answer that I was really looking for. Because my physical therapist said, yeah. you don't need surgery physical therapy but all the doctors here in kuwait were like no surgery 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 and my friend that had surgery his mobility went to crap afterwards oh he yeah. couldn't get his hand past his head whereas now like i'm going past my head you know alhamdulillah like. alhamdulillah knocking on the wood well <laughs> let me tell you something you're not as broken as you think you are okay yeah because you've seen, i've seen a lot of athletes and let's talk about crossfit games athletes now you think they're not injured They have millions of stuff over there, but they're just functional and they're working. The body adapts after after some time and doing certain movements without pain. You just have to have that time and a proper rehabilitation and a proper commitment into the plan yeah. so you'd get over the overall picture. So but, real quick, sorry, yeah, just to take no us back so, so we can take away something from the uh, core work. Yeah. What are some of the recommendations you can make for core work? Well, I just want to backpedal there no before we yeah, get started on a different topic, like De the core work. Definitely. We talked about like how detrimental not having a stable core is, but what are some of the key exercises in your opinion? And maybe some with some anecdote that you would recommend for athletes, I would say depending first, on their, yeah. their, depending on them in general. I would, I would say first, start with the breathing. Learn how to breathe well. Because the diaphragm is one of major major spine stabilizers and it's a it's a major breathing muscles. So if you work on proper breathing, now you used to kind of solve half of the problem. Well, to activate the core, people understand that the activation means like a heavy work or so much of it and exercises that you have to do. It's not the it's this is not the solution. To activate a muscle, you need to switch on the brain. To switch on the brain to find that pattern and to activate that muscle that has been sleeping for a really long time. That does not, does not work by doing a heavy exercise. It happens by repetitions because you have to learn, teach the brain how to activate it. And as much as you do it, the brain will do it. And it will finally end up having that muscle activated by finding that pattern again, how to switch it on. You ask a lot of people to stress that transverse abdominus muscle to, to switch it on. And eventually you'll see people sucking their stomach in, pushing their stomach out, not being able to activate that transverse abdominus muscle. Yeah. So just asking them to do certain movements like, well, be on your hands and knees, draw your belly in while breathing, breathing out or breathing in. And after some time, they will get the picture. Doing planks and not like staying in plank position for one minute, you know? Just get into a plank position, then go down on your stomach and then go there for one, two seconds and then going down. This is just eventually going to switch on your core. All right. So turn it on, turn it off, turn it, learn how yeah, to turn exactly. it on, turn it off. That makes sense. That makes a lot with, of sense. With, with the repetitions, the brain will find its way to switch it on. Now, people sometimes say, well, I cannot feel that my, my trunk is, is active. Yeah. yeah, because you've done that exercise for 10, for 10 repetitions and you went to, to try into squat. 
heavyweight and the pain is still there. It needs some time. The brain to, to adapt on switching on that muscle. It's creating the neural pathways. Exactly. Right? That's it. You're, all you're doing is recreating those neural pathways that used to be there, but True. you switched off through sitting and whatever else. That definitely that makes a lot of sense. I was squatting at work. I was getting up after every half an hour. And what I would do is I'd, put, I'd do a prisoner squat. So I'd put my hands behind my head, activate my thoracic spine, get all of my back really tight, pulled down. Man, I was squatting. My squats were like butter after mm. that. It made a huge difference. See? And it makes sense because I was recreating those neural pathways that was turning my legs on, my back on when I'm squatting. Exactly. Wow, dude, man, you, you, this, is, this is awesome, dude. Like, and it this doesn't is like knowledge ball after <laughs> knowledge ball, man. <laughs> thank you, thank you. And it doesn't need weights or barbells to squat with to activate your core. Yep. It's just you do yeah. air squats. After yeah. that, and I think that's what a lot of people get misunderstand about. They kind of think, okay, like I need to, like to fix myself. I need to do more training. Like, what else? What else can I train to do? What else can I, like, okay, do I need to do more heavy squat? I need to do more actual physical training. When sometimes it's more physical therapy, I guess, isn't it? And sometimes it's more that okay, lying down and going, okay, how am I breathing? True. Right, and going, okay, am I, can I control that or can I not? I mean, someone, one of my athletes the other day even asked me, hey, you can control your breathing. Like, yes. <laughs> like, can you not? And then it's a light bulb went off in my head and said, okay, actually, like, this person doesn't know how to control their breathing. And actually, if this person is trying to do, like, high-intensity exercise and can't, doesn't have even an idea that they're able to control their breathing and, like, kind of maybe just take deeper breaths and slow themselves down a little bit and relax the body in that way. True. Then, like... It releases a lot of happy hormones if you yeah, breathe well. you're right. No, you're 100% right. I mean, there's... What's his name? Was it Wim Hof? Is it yeah. Wim Hof, the Wim Hof thing? And like when I, when, you know, I play baseball a lot. So when I was a pitcher, when I pitch, one of the things that pitching coaches always say is breathe, breathe, yeah. breathe. And when you do breathe, you get it down into your gut. You breathe it all out. This, you know, this, this sense comes over you and it's like, oh, there it is. You know, like there's the, there's what I was looking for. So yeah, wow. And I, I, I kind of like to do it like in the ice cold plunge pool. So I'll practice my, like, I'll like do box, box breathing. So I'll take like in for 10 seconds, just a count in my head. Yeah, exactly. And maybe out for 10 seconds and then kind of go to like maybe uh, when I breathe in, holding my breath in. That's it. And then out. Exactly. Hold, hold it out and just kind of like counting in a kind of cyclical fashion like that. And True. yeah, like you do get a kind of euphoria of like having control and like so relaxed and everything. Sometimes you get even dizzy and you see yeah. butterflies. Yeah, completely. Yeah. And I, yeah, went, yeah, yeah. I went from the ice cold plunge pool and I was kind of completely fine, like very awake, but very like euphoric. Went straight into the jacuzzi and I was like nearly falling under the water. I was so relaxed. And it was like everything in my, I felt all my lungs was like nice and expanded. The air was actually like pushing out. I can feel like I could actually breathe properly rather than being so tense in my shoulders. Exactly. So, yeah. Just a public service announcement. Liam has built up to going into cold plunges and into that stuff. No, I so get like, yourself in there. No, dude. No, the first time I went into it, no, the first time, talking about breathing properly, the first, the second, I went into a cold plunge. I was fine for the first like 10 seconds. I got out, went into the jacuzzi, did all my stuff. When I went back in, I was like, I, you know, you, you have to take that deep breath. True. You really do. Yeah. And I just swallowed so much water. Oh, that, 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 that. <laughs> that I was choking. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I'm done here. You know? <laughs> so, like, that's why I'm saying public service uh, I, I, dude. It's really hard. Putting, putting hard. your head underwater, that's a public service announcement. Like, when you put your head underwater, dude, it wakes you up. Yeah, it wakes man, you up. It, wakes, it, it woke me up like, like I was like alert. 
Yeah, I was really alert, and it, it heightens your nervous system. Yeah, because you think and you're then dying. the heat suppresses your nervous system. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I, I kind of when I'm in there, like I'll go, I'll be standing in there, and it kind of gets the water is about chest height. And then I kind of like go down to neck height and then I just take one dip with my hand under the water. Like, <laughs> I can't be staying under there or like spending too much time there, not at all. But I do take like cold showers and I'd, I'd practice my breathing in a cold shower if I can't get to the plunge pool. Things kind of like that because, yeah, you do kind of go straight in and you go... <sighs> Like you take that big, exactly. like you, your body kind of goes into like kind of like trying to like fight or flight mode a little bit, yes. doesn't it? And if you can control that, I think that's kind of a good step for a lot of listeners to be able to kind of go and use a cold shower and kind of control your breathing immediately from that cold shower. And I like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I find that as a really good technique for actually starting to gain control of what's going on inside your chest. It's, it's very correct. It's true. Exactly. Yeah. You got to work on your breathing. Definitely. And the way you've done it is just perfect. Yeah, I just think that's a really easy like takeaway for people because a lot of people don't have an ice cold plunge pool. Yeah, but like it's, 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 it's before or after every workout, like just go for nice, nice warm shower first, and then before sure. I get out, like well, sure, chuck it on cold. After, and, and after, here's the thing, though: after I work out, cold doesn't work for my body. Like it, I think it depends on your body because cold does not work for me. Heat, I have found heat to be like my numero uno to kind of go to when I'm hurting. If my back's hurting. I'm taking a boiling hot bath with some Epsom salt, and I feel great afterwards. I, I think step the, into the Epsom the, salt is the, is the solution. It could be, but when I go into a sauna after a workout, I am less sore the night of and the next day and the next day. Like the soreness isn't there in my lower back, especially my lower back. Yeah. And I, you know, for me, I think it depends on your body. Like I honestly really I would think, say contrast bath. So I spend one minute in the heat and then go into the cold. No, man, I yeah. do. I, I, I was just going to say that, like, that's, and like in uh, one of the gyms in Kuwait, like it's really useful. The sauna is right next to the ice cold plunge pool, yeah, and yeah. you literally can just go straight between. And actually, yeah, like I spend try and spend like an hour a week at least, just kind of going like just back and forth, back and forth, which like, makes like, sense. I mean, it depends. But it de- it depends on what your resources are. And it depends on. Uh, <laughs> we got the whole gang joining. Yeah, we got the whole, we got the whole photographer gang. Yeah, I know. We, got, we got a bunch of photographers yeah. here right now. I mean, if, if we knew this, it would have been doing any time. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think it depends at the end of the day. I, that's just my opinion. But as, you're the expert. As, here, as so. easy as sleeping down on your back, if you don't have the stuff, if you don't have the privilege to get the access, just spend the time sleeping on your back, bend your knees, put one hand, put one hand. Two hands on the chest. Make sure you're expanding your chest while breathing in. Okay, hold that breath. And then exhale till you lose all the breath. And then hold it and vacuum that stomach in for a couple of seconds. Vacuum of the stomach as well. Yes, that works the diaphragm. Okay. This is one thing I've learned. uh, It's one good technique that I've learned from one of my my friends. His name is Ruben Garcia. He's a movement therapist in in, in, um, this Kuwait. Yeah, he's he's a really great guy. I get to learn a lot from him. He's amazing. He he just showed me how the, the way he's doing it, and it's perfect. It works really well. I even tried it on myself. It's amazing. So back on your back, close your eyes, breathe in five six seconds, hold five six seconds, exhale till there's no air. Suck in your stomach. There you go. The diaphragm don't dooms. If it dooms, it gets active a couple of times, and you'll see like. Like you're really more upright, your shoulders kind of tra- retracted back, and you're more more of control on your on your on your breathing. 
So with that, actually, I, here's here's a question for that too. When it comes to you work with MMA fighters, oh right? yeah. So now breathing, I'm, I'm assuming that's a crucial role, right? Staying alive. Now, you know, like t- talk about the MMA a little bit, you know, and some of the movement patterns that you see there, and the, the breathing technique that's required. Because I'm assuming it's a different breathing technique, right? Yeah. It, it would it would it would be a little bit different from a CrossFitter or an athlete that's going to lift a heavy amount of weight. Oh yeah, yeah. Well. A quick shout out to my uh, colleague and a friend, Dr. Abdullah Al-Joder. He's an orthopedic and a sports surgeon. We're, we're, we teamed up with His Highness Sheikh uh, Khalid bin Hamad Al-Khalifa, mixed martial art uh, team. We take care of the, of the athletes. When it comes to surgical uh, part, he does his job. And when there's a physical therapy uh, in need, I show up. So MMA, you're talking about all kinds of injuries <laughs> that you, have, that you <laughs> can, can have I in can mind. Imagine. I can definitely Breathing imagine. is really crucial. They like the breathing, honestly, the proper breathing. I was having to, I was having that idea of, of, you know, taking one or two sessions with them and to teach them how to breathe well. And this is going to happen in the process of uh, the next couple of weeks. We're going to sit down and talk really about it and see how they're breathing. I get to notice a lot of slouching and and being in a kyphosis I was just going to ask about that. I was totally going to ask about that. And I was telling Liam the story earlier. We had a kid who was a boxer. You know, he's 16 years old, came and played, you know, played a game of baseball. And he couldn't get a shoulder above his head. Ball hit him straight in the eye. Ouch. And it was like, yeah, it was an unfortunate situation. But he was down here. He could protect himself. He could True. swing a bat well because he was, you know, doing this. Yeah. But, you know, like he just did not have that mobility to get his arms up. And it was, I mean, that you must see that a lot with fighters. You're talking about jiu-jitsu guys, MMA guys. It's always the same thing. Head over, like shoulders overhead is mostly lacked because of always being in the protective phase, trying to protect mm-hmm. their phase. And there is no counter movement when it comes to uh, training uh, strategies because they, they don't counteract that movement in, in the training. Yeah. Because they always focus on getting better at the game just by drilling, drilling, drilling. And they, they work on their strength and doing gym stuff. And they get tighter and tighter. Yeah. So no mobility most, most, most of the time. So it's very important and crucial to, you know, counteract that movement, the fighting movements, which is basically always protection into working and activating that back line. We're talking about calves, hamstrings, glutes, back and neck. So like the posterior chain. Posterior chain yeah. muscles. So when you, because I see a lot of the guys who are like, they obviously they're slouching forward, like they're slouching yeah. forward a lot, like for those guys, like what are the kind of main movements? Is it kind of, is it strengthening the back or is it kind of mobility from the chest to it's, open that up? It's both it's actually. Both, yeah? yeah. Trying to make sure that to relax the anterior line of muscles versus strengthening that posterior line muscles. Okay. Because they're always into forward flexion position. They're always covering their face and their trunk. Question about that, because I've had a lot of physiotherapists say, oh, you have tight pecs, you have tight. And this was back when I was doing like the bro split with the chest flies. And, you know, they're like, oh, your pecs are so tight. Your pecs are so tight. No, you shouldn't be doing more, you know, chest work. You shouldn't. But when I did a chest fly and I opened up, man, I just felt great for like two or three days. Like just I just walked taller and it just felt like that weight just kind of brought. You know what I mean? Does that make any yeah. sense? Like, you just is, had a great pump, man. No, dude, but no, it was, it's it's different. It almost it almost felt like my chest cavity was opened up when I was doing that big fly, you know, with some weight on my arms because it was dragging my arms down. Obviously, like you know, exactly. physics. You know, yeah, like, exactly. It's so gravity and pulling out. What's what's your stance on that? Just out of curiosity. Well, I would say if you look to uh, one of the chiropractic doctors, 
famous one called Andrus Pina. He talks really about how to gain the movement by doing some mobility work. Now we're talking about getting the muscle into being able to control the movement of a, of a limb at a certain angle. If you own that, the muscle would be able to have the ability to expand and contract and being stretched out yeah. and going back to the same position without being hurt. That makes sense. So if your muscles are tight, it's not just about passive, passive stretching. Actually, if you get into the science of passive stretching, passive stretching lowers the time of the ignition of that muscle because they have found in research that the electrical impulse gets slower after passive stretching. So passive stretching is What's the ele- Hold on, can we back right. up there? What's the electric... Like, is this just okay. your brain sending signals yeah, to well, the muscle, the joint, and the tendons, or... Let's say, if, for example, let's say I'm switching the light on. So for that switch to get on, I have to look at it. The brain sends a signal because that my, is my intention. To the muscle, my limb would move and then the action would be happening. So there's a milliseconds or microseconds where the brain orders the muscle through a nerve signal the muscle gets activated and the actions get done. Now, if you go and do passive stretching or ballistic stretching, well, let's put ballistic stretching on a side. Let's, let's talk about first passive stretching. If you do passive stretching before an event or before participating in a workout, the, the brain signal that goes to the muscle is going to get slower. Okay. So it's good to do passive stretching to bring that muscle after a workout into its normal position. It's going to be fine. But doing dynamic stretching is good so you can prepare the muscle into a workout. Yeah. So that's where kind of, I think that's where a lot of people, like that's where the understanding was. But then actually some people like have started to do passive stretching before they might hold like their leg back and they'll like, hold seconds. it for like 30 seconds and then they'll go the other side. And actually like it's a that's recipe something, for injury. Yeah. So that's something that they shouldn't be doing because they're going to slow down the impulse that's coming from the brain and that mind muscle connection. Exactly. Wow. Wow! Wow! So, this is you're you're coming back on the show, man. I'll come to Bahrain. <laughs> yeah. Like you're seriously, welcome, man. you know what? Seriously, hey, seriously, come seriously I was telling Liam like we need to make a trip to Bahrain because there's a couple of people guys. that I want to I want to interview out in Bahrain. I mean, mashallah, you guys have a lot of like knowledgeable people out there, oh, a lot so of strong much. athletes. You know, like that's that's something. It's a beautiful I think, country as well. I think we just need I, I to know, go. I know. It's, 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 it's going to be our honor to have you guys. Oh, in thank there. you, man. Thank you. It's our honor to have you in Kuwait. Salah, hey, any. Seeing you at the, you know, seeing you at Flair, seeing you around here is, it's amazing like, that you come here. Like, we, I appreciate it. And hopefully, really hopefully you never me. have to work on me. <laughs> <laughs> have you heard the bad rumors yeah. about it? No, no, no. I just don't want to get hurt, man. If, I, if I'm coming to see, if I'm coming to see you, that means something's wrong right there. You know what I mean? And they called this, they called me the, 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 the strong thumb, you know? Oh, <laughs> uh, man, I, I don't know about that. But, but wait, actually, that's a good question. Before we wrap up, yeah. there was another question that you had whether we should see a physical therapist even when we're not hurt. I, was, I did have that question, yeah. yeah I <laughs> like you just reminded you. me of that question. Yeah, there we go, there we go. <laughs> so yeah, should we see a physical therapist even if we're not feeling like symptoms of, of pain or if, if we're not feeling hurt? Well, if you have a trainer or a physiotherapist that is having awareness about the posture and mobility, there you got it. So it's not mandatory to see a physio if there's no pain. It's important to see someone that he has the knowledge of how the body posture and what is mobility is crucial about. So he can check you out regularly to avoid getting injured as much as possible. Now, injuries are inevitable, but you can lower down the injury percentage down to 80, 85%. 
of not getting injured just by making sure that the shoulder mobility is there, the thoracic, thoracic spine, which is the middle back mobility is there, the ankle mobility is there, and the hips as well. So if you go those joints being mobile and you can own that movement in those joints, plus a good stability in your neck, your lower back, and your knees, there you go. Yeah. You're going to lower the percentage of getting injured. And But if the question was, is it mandatory to see only a physiotherapist? No. You just have a, a person being checking there, your move, checking no. your movement, not between now and then. There you go. You're going to be fine. See, that's why I, I tell kids and I tell... I tell kids because I've coached and I've trained kids before and, you know, even being having a training certification and playing every sport known to mankind and lifting weights and bodybuilding and everything. I've always said you need someone to watch you lift because you could your left arm might be leading a little bit too much. Something that someone else will pick up on that you're not necessarily going to see every single time. And it doesn't necessarily have to be someone that's amazing. It's just because even, you know, new people at a sport can pick it up too so well, I mean, this is the beautiful beauty of videoing yourself now like you can video yourself and yeah. then send it to someone who knows what they're talking about yeah yeah, like, yeah, yeah that's true that's true <laughs> that's, that's the, that's it, the best thing it gives thing. a good, so. good feedback uh, plus i want to say something now the interrelation or the connection the communication between trainers physios probably doctors that has a respect to sports and know what sports is and how, how do, does the athlete work and not just going by well you're injured you need a surgery now, it's very beautiful. And I went into uh, such a, a good settlement in communication with uh, Coach Yusuf Al-Baqsumi with one of our athletes, Salman Al-Badr. He's a Bahraini. He was at Flair, right? He was at he was, Flair. He was in the lane next to me. He was right next to me. Yeah, yeah, he's, Real nice guy. He's a, he was amazing. He's amazing. Great athlete, too. If, now, Yusuf, Coach Yusuf Al-Baqsumi gives him the workout. And if there's anything that would straight come, come down to me, if I see something that needs to be fixed on, well, I'll tell Coach Yusuf, he has one, two, three, four. The expectation of the healing process would take that much. So he would alter his own program and not to focus on getting the injury worse. And the guy recovers. Now, knocking on the wood, it's been really quite some time that he was out of major injuries. His only tightness here and there is very familiar with CrossFit athletes. But like a real major injury, alhamdulillah, knocking on the wood, it's not in there anymore. He came with a really bad shoulders back, back on the time when I first met him. And he got out of it a long time ago because of that settlement and that communication between the coach and the, and the physio. So the secret of having a good communication in between the physio and the trainer is really important into the, into the field of sports. Yeah, it makes just, sense. Just to make sure that the role. athlete gets like the holistic approach as much exactly. as possible rather than just the coach breaking the athlete, then the athlete going to the physio, getting fixed, then coming back and getting it broken it, again. It doesn't work like, like that. It needs to be like a, a whole kind of support team, I guess, exactly. around the athlete. Exactly. Yeah. And there's nothing such called you have to stop training, even when you're injured. Now, if you injured your back, your legs and your arms are still fine. Yeah. Now, if you injure a shoulder, your other shoulder is fine and your legs are fine and your back is fine. Oh, this is a topic for a whole nother show, man. We got to bring you on for this. This is a topic for a whole nother show. I swear it, to God, I never stop any athlete of working out. I only tapered it down, tell the coach to alter the movement. Yeah. And there you go. You only stop when you're dead. A, lo- a lot of doctors stop people. And on that, we're bringing you back on here for that topic. Oh, thank we, you so I much. need you on there for that topic because there are a lot of doctors yeah. in Kuwait that especially here, they oh, say, no. surgery, surgery, don't move, don't move. And it's so wrong. And I can't wait to have you back on here. I'm not a doctor. I'm not giving out medical advice. Be my but I'm just saying, like, people need to check their doctors and their chiropractors before they say don't move. True. So 
if, you know, it'd be great to have you back on to oh, tackle that so subject. Much. Can or I just say one? Yeah, go can, ahead. Can I just say one yeah, thing ahead, before man. we end up the show? Guys, only dry needling would not solve, solve the problem. Okay. Now, it became a fashion recently in, a, in the physio and the rehab world only to get dry needle when you're injured. Guys, if only someone dry needles you and sends you back home, okay, this is a fraud. Believe me, because there is movement, there is exercise, there is rehab, there is manual therapy. It's a holistic approach, as you said, Liam. It's not just one thing that to be done and that's it. You have to keep on the process of getting better, not only in the clinic. You spend in the clinic 45 minutes in one hour. You have the rest of the time till you go back to the, your physio or your choir or your movement therapist. So you have to have some homework, a base strategy, uh, homework based on your, uh, your injury and your movement that you have to keep on and keep committed into the plan to, so you can get better. If you don't have something in between, you're lagging that process of getting better. So you might do something that injures you and brings you back to square one and the, the therapist has to work out all, all over again. And that does not work. So be aware of, you, of these things. You have to have the knowledge so you can know what is the best for you. All right. And we'll, we'll definitely tag uh, all of your contact information in our show notes. And thank you so, thank much, you so much for coming on the show. Like thank serious much, knowledge man. bombs here today. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> serious <laughs> knowledge very, bombs very here, man. Thank, thank you, Mandy, for much. having me. Thank you, Liam, for having me. It's a great pleasure to be with you here, guys. Thank you. Thank and thank thanks to Project Kuwait. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. You can also find us on Instagram at the Project Kuwait. Thank you, and join us next time.